What's up, All-Stars? Are you ready for a killer Halloween episode? That's what you brought today. I woke up early for that. I thought I could sell it with my voice, yeah? How many times did you practice that? A lot in front of the mirror, actually. Yeah, okay. It's not as great as I thought it was in my head? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> it's, it's, it's scary. It's really scary. That's what I was going for. But really, we are very, very excited today to have a person on the show mm-hmm. who has not only been a Gordon family friend for over two decades, yep. but is also forever cemented as one of the most favorite characters on one of the most recognizable television franchises in TV history. I'm sure all of you are very familiar with the show that he worked on. Uh, currently, the actors and anything that is related to film or TV is called Strike Work. So I can't say the whole entire title of the show he used to be on, but I'm going to say a little bit and then you'll know what it is. He worked on a show called Buffy, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> wow. Oh my God. Okay. So if you've heard of Buffy, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> You definitely know everyone's fan favorite character named Clem. Clem was a demon. A loose-skinned demon, yeah. He is here today, I'm so excited, for him to share his latest project called Slayers, which is an Audible original set in the Buffy-verse, which means it's 10 years later, they've brought back old characters Obviously, he's one of them. And they brought in new characters. It's a multiverse uh, setting. It is really cool. Ladies and gentlemen, we've got James Charles Leary in the hot seat. It sounds so weird. I can't even say that. I know. It's so ridiculous. Grab a pillowcase, kiddies. We've got Jimmy Leary, and he's bringing the big candy bars today on Skip Town All-Stars Halloween edition. How'd I do? Let's get Jimmy going. Check the mic and make sure it sounds right, boys. Hey, listeners. Ever wonder what it would be like to blow up your comfort zone at the tender age of 50? Well, we did just that. When our last kid went off to college, we hit the road in search of a new hometown. Now we bounce from city to city and bring you along for the ride. This is the Skip Town All-Stars podcast. What's up, All-Stars? Welcome back for another episode, a very special episode today for Halloween. We are psyched, psyched beyond belief, I say, to welcome to the show, James Charles Leary. Welcome to the show, Jimmy. Yeah. (laughs) Hello, everybody. Jimmy, as we know him, Uh is a uh, almost a 25-year-old friend of ours. We that came out wrong. You're not definitely not 25 years old. <laughs> no. We have been friends for I almost was almost 25 when we met. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Uh, we are coming up on our silver anniversary of friendship, which I am also very excited about. It's so great to have you here today. Uh, for those who don't know because of the makeup, you are the world famous Clem. The droopy skinned demon from Buffy that's the Vampire Slayer. Skinned. No, that's loose skinned. <laughs> oh, loose skinned. I'm contractually bound to say that it's loose skinned. No, I'm not. I'm just messing, messing with you. <laughs> anyway, welcome to the show today. <laughs> Thank you so much. I am so happy to be here. And as you said, uh, we have been friends for 23 years since yeah. our eldest shot children yeah. went to preschool together. That's in- right. That's true. The lovely city of Los Angeles. That's right. Uh, in the valley. In the valley. In the valley. <laughs> Jimmy, and, the yeah. valley is popular now. The valley is popping off. Wait, what? Uh, it's the new Silver Lake. Yeah. It's the new Silver Lake. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's get into the how the two of you met before I was ever in the picture, I, before I ever knew you. Um, why don't you tell us about your little party that you guys went to? Oh, oh, my God. Oh, yeah. Um, so I we actually met at our kids' preschool, and we both got invited to a birthday party. And it was such a typical L.A. Uh, kids' birthday so party. Ridiculous. Who was there, Jimmy? Who was there? Um, Brandon Boyd <laughs> From was Incubus. how you and I met. Because yes. I have been a longtime <laughs> fan of the band Incubus. Yes. Uh, who Brandon Boyd is the lead singer of. And I've got my eldest, Jonathan, who is about 
I think th- three months younger than your eldest Parker. Yes. Um, which is how they how we met. Um, and you know, all these little kids are running around. Everyone's running around, <laughs> um, like just doing little kid stuff. And I'm sitting out in the middle of like a bouncy playhouse. Like there's slides and there's a ball pit and there's a squishy floor. And I'm sitting there and like this little kid runs up and this cute little kid and runs up and blah, 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 blah. And the parents come up and I'm like, that's the lead singer of Incubus. Yeah. And it was, but it was And I'm like, I'm like, hey man, uh, I'm James. He's like, yeah, my name's Brandon. I was like, cool, man. And then I run over to the only other person who is roughly our age because everyone else in that joint was 10 years older than us. Oh, yeah, right. The oh. L.A. thing to have children late. The L.A. That's thing. True. You have children we were, when you're We 50. were all young parents together. That's right. We were in our 20s. It's true. Yeah. yeah. A long time ago. And I, I don't know why I came up to you, Denise, because I think I saw you looking. Like going like. <laughs> I'm like, hey, uh, is that the lead singer Incubus, right? And you were like, yeah, pretty sure it is. <laughs> uh, and yeah. that's how we just started an entire conversation yep. uh, about yeah. music and then you met my my then wife and the then rest all is just, history yeah but that's pretty much a typical LA party I mean living yeah. in LA yeah. you know it's just I would always laugh because people would say when they would come to visit I want to see a movie star and I would say let's go to the Ralphs in Studio City that plaza <laughs> is where I saw Dave Grohl so that became yes. That became all of the uh, all the rockers who now had children. That became their new Ralphs. Because oh, I saw everyone was living in the valley. Yeah, exactly. I saw Julianne Moore there. I saw so many people at that Ralphs. I mean, really, yeah. it was incredible. So I, people, I met say, Michael Bean there. Oh no way! Oh, really? Yeah. Awesome. He was literally like two people behind me in line buying toilet paper, and I just turned around and was like, "Hey, man, are you Michael Bean?" No, you didn't. No, <laughs> yeah. you did not. He was like, "Yes, I am." I think you're awesome, man. Oh, <laughs> that's, that's it. great. You had a little fan geek moment. You. Oh, totally. And he was okay. like, yeah. toilet paper. <laughs> yeah. I had a similar, I mean, my moment with Dave Grohl was similar. Oh, he, he was in the, the Blockbuster store. I've ever heard in my entire yeah. life. He's in the Blockbuster store and I walk around the corner back when, this is, wait, tells wait, you how old it was. Blockbuster. I know. That wait, fossil. what is that? Uh, I know. So uh, I walk around the corner and there's Dave Grohl. And I said, oh, my God, Dave Grohl, what are you doing in my blockbuster? And he shrugs his shoulders, but in his hand, he has two movies. <laughs> Do you remember he, what they were? I, like, hey, I don't, actually. I was just so Aww. dumbfounded at the time. He was, he was really nice. It was a quick interaction. I was like, okay, anyway, thanks for visiting. Yeah. yeah. We lived in Bobcat Goldthwaite's ex-wife's house. Well, we, let's yeah, talk okay, about now, how yeah, you got okay, to L.A. So, yeah, you're obviously... You you did very well on Buffy, but let's just go to Baby Jimmy. Where did Baby Jimmy come from? I'm originally from New York, so my entire family is from like Queens. My grandparents okay. are from Queens. My grandfather was a New York City fireman for forty oh, years. Wow. Um, yeah, pretty crazy. Um, so uh, my parents got divorced very young. We moved in with my grandparents. We were there on Long Island, and my gr- my grandfather had built like a vacation home in New Hampshire ah, out in the middle of nowhere. Like okay. when I say the middle of nowhere, I mean on a dirt road oh. and down a dirt road to get to this house. And they couldn't pave the road because at one point, George Washington had ridden down the road. Oh my gosh. So it was like oh. a historical it's still a dirt road. Oh my God. That's, that's incredible. Awesome. And it drove my grandfather bananas. I'm sure he was a New York City boy. He was like, just pave the road. Yeah. (laughs) So in like second grade, we moved to New Hampshire. So I spent like two and a half years in New Hampshire. And then in fifth grade, I moved to Texas. Yes. Um, I moved to Dallas. Uh, Grew up in a northern suburb of Dallas. Went to school at Texas A&M. Was part of an improv troupe. So I always did, like, I started doing theater in... Eighth grade. In college? Oh, in eighth oh, grade. Oh, no, nice. in, eight, okay. in eighth grade. Like, okay. I always, like, as a little kid, I was like, I'm Luke Skywalker. I, at one point, took my aunt's leather belt 
because I was Indiana Jones. <laughs> nice. Were you whipping people? Yeah, oh, I was whipping people with well, it. No, I, what happened is I whipped a tree and it wrapped yeah. around and I couldn't get it off. Oh. And I just went inside because I was in 1981, I was eight. Yeah. Um, and you I just forgot about it. <laughs> I had other things to do. I had Star Wars figures to play with. Um, right. And the next day, the belt was gone. Oh, oh that's funny. And my aunt was so mad because at the time, she was like 22. Mm-hmm. It was her favorite oh, she, belt. She held that grudge for four months. Yeah. No, she held it for a while. Um, so anyway, um, I ended up in Texas doing theater, uh, started an th- uh, improv troupe in college. Um, oh, you started an improv troupe yourself? No. <laughs> <laughs> you started in one. Oh, you started in one. Thanks, Denise. Okay. Thanks. Thanks. <laughs> Appreciate go, that. Go yeah. ahead. All right. Such an underachiever. Way to bring the ego down. All right. Thanks. All right. Sorry. Go ahead. You're uh, in one. No, go ahead. A bunch of friends of mine who you you guys all know, yeah. um, we co-founded an improv troupe uh, that is still going on to this day. At Texas A&M. Yep. That's incredible. Yeah. Nice. So we were we were just – so my, my wife, Missy – um, works in higher education. Uh, mm-hmm. She's a success coach for ACC. And we were just at AM for uh, a conference, like one of her professional, uh, professional <laughs> yeah. uh, uh-huh. conferences. And I was, we brought Owen and we were just walking around what's known as the <laughs> Memorial Student Center, the MSC, okay. which is sort of like the main like hub. It's like the quad. Yeah, it's, it's like the quad. campus. Yes. Got it. Correct. Yeah. Correct. So we're walking, and you know, every every group has something up. Like there's trifold, yeah, like, oh, yeah. things everywhere, and there's a thing for Freudian Slip has a show tonight. I was like, oh, Aww. hey, yeah, I co-founded that, and Owen that's lost his mind. Owen's your son. Owen, so Owen's your, your Owen, is, Owen is my yeah, youngest son. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, and right. he he. He was like, wow, dad. And, and the name of the improv troupe is Freudian Slip. Freudian Slip. I love it. We used to sell out a 350-seat theater eight times a semester. Nice. Jimmy. That's really good. That's awesome. And they are still going on, and uh, I can't support them enough. Uh, I'm so proud to have been a part of that. Uh, and that then is the reason I ended up in Chicago. Okay. Uh, because during one spring break, we discovered Improv Olympic, or what's no? I'm sorry, I can't say that. It's now called IO, and we rented three cars, and nine of us shoved ourselves into the cars and drove to Chicago. No, I was to say, is Improv Olympic a place or a festival? It's like a festival it, or a com- no? It's competition a competition type thing. It's an improv. So it's like the Groundlings. Oh, okay. Well, anybody who doesn't know the Groundlings in Los Angeles, it's a improv group that's very well known in LA. Like really big names have come out of the Groundlings, yeah. like Amy Poehler, uh, Will Ferrell, oh, uh, yeah. John Ritter, Lisa Kudrow, John Lovitz. Okay, yeah. yeah. So those for are anyone, all uh, Jimmy Fallon. Those yeah, are all people who came out of the Groundlings in Los Angeles. So yep. the Improv Olympic, whatever it's I I O, that is their theater group people that put on shows weekly because that's what the Groundlings is in Los Angeles. They put on shows weekly. Correct. So okay. so the Groundlings, like their Sunday show, was definitely sketch. So Melissa McCarthy came out of the Groundlings, like mm-hmm. amazing people, and their their goal was sketch, where I O was strictly improvisation. But it was founded by one of the early members of Second City. So in Chicago, uh, IO was the way to get to Second City. Absolutely. And Second City is where Bill Murray, yeah. Tim Meadows, um, Colbert, Steve Carell. Um, like, so for SNL, you have the Groundlings and Second City. Yeah. Or stand The pinnacle. Yes. Right. So those are the, like, the three places where all those people come from. So initially, as a young man, I wanted to be on saturday Night live mm-hmm. um so my path was to go to chicago because we went there in college and i really liked the city i really liked what we did and then so i went i think this question started as how did you 
who are you? Do you need action? And 45 okay. minutes later, no, I'm get, leaving into no, college? No, it's okay. It's no, okay. You, you're in so college. You're in college. We're not going you're, back to no, Texas A&M yeah, yeah, from no, here, no, bro. No, you're in we're okay, going so back to a The improv group that I was a part of at A&M went mm-hmm. to Waco, Texas. Yes, that Waco. Before um, Chip and Joanna before were Before it was that Waco. <laughs> Um, right. The Davidian the, Waco. Yeah. Yes. He's talking Chip and Joanna. I'm saying Davidian. I know yeah. where Jimmy's yeah. coming from. You went from. to the Davidian. The Second City Touring Company came through Waco, Texas. And wow. we were like, we're going to go see that because Waco was a 45 minute drive yeah. from AM, maybe an hour. So right. we all drove up. We bought tickets. We're in this amazing old, like 1920s theater Mm -hmm. in the middle of nowhere Mm -hmm. there's maybe 15 people in the audience and we're eight of them wow okay and that torco had polar fay Mm -hmm. when they're gosh i was 19 20 they must have been 24 25 Mm -hmm. before anyone's famous at all Mm -hmm. right and we just hang out after the show because we want to meet them because you gotta be we kidding. recognize and cow. they come out the backstage door and they're like, who are these idiots? Right. Because <laughs> it's a bunch of like <laughs> schlubby yeah. 90s college kids. We're all wearing flannel. Oh, yeah, uh-huh. of course. Yeah, Everyone's yeah. got on ha- baseball hats backwards. It's, yeah, it's, so it's, it's Texas meets grunge. I yeah, get it. it's like it's like a bad Goo Goo Dolls video. Um <laughs> We're like, I'll say our goodbyes and whatever. And we're like, everybody's hungry. We're like, where are we going to go? And at that, in early 90s in Waco, the only place to go was Chili's. Oh. So we all head to Chili's. Lo and behold, who is there? Amy Poehler, Tina Fey. Nice. And we start, we start up a, like, everybody's talking to them. They're talking to us. And they're like, hey, here's Sharna Halpern's number in Chicago. If you guys want to really do this. Right call her mm. four months later we rented a bunch of cars we drove up to chicago did a three-day workshop with sharna and del close and that set the tone like that's how i ended up in chicago a few years later um and in chicago is where i got my sad card and you know represented a ton of like really bad bad commercials did you ever make it to Second City? Tell me what ha- what happened. Oh, what? <laughs> I auditioned three times. Mm-hmm. And the joke with Second City was, I didn't get hired, but my girlfriend did. What? Oh, it wasn't my girlfriend. I was married. Um, It wasn't my girlfriend, but that was a big joke was, I auditioned at Second City and my girlfriend got the job because she was Oh, I get it. That's the punchline. Oh, okay, that was the okay. punchline. Yeah. Oh, okay. So, all right. So you, you're you in you're in Chicago. You're trying to get in Second City. Three yep. auditions. You're like, okay, I think I'm going to try something different. You decide Los Angeles. What made you decide LA and not New York? Because you're- you... I'm from New York. I know. Yeah. I so sh- why I... not New York? I'm just curious. One name. And I'm going to drop it. Eric Stone Street. Oh, from okay. Modern Family. Yeah. Okay. He and what about I started. Him? He and I started at at Improv Olympic together at the same time, and we oh. rose through the ranks. Okay. And he had started booking stuff in Chicago like crazy. So mm. he was. I did a ton of shows with him. I did a ton of improv shows with him. Um, we were really good friends at the time, and he just one day was like, "I'm moving to L.A.", and wow. he left. And like three months later, he was like, "You got to get here." You have to come to Los Angeles. And we were like, all right. He wasn't Eric Stone Street Modern Family yet. He was just like no, he auditioning. Was just, he was a dude doing commercials. Okay. So you get to LA. You're auditioning. Now, people think when you come to LA, boom, right away, you're a big time actor. Like they don't realize there are 10,000 people ahead of you right. and you're all fighting for a, it's little, a, frenzy, yeah. a little part in a commercial, like a, like a, a broccoli commercial, a Band-Aid sure. commercial. Like what was your big commercial hit for you? Because usually people have one. And how long did it take? I was actually very, very lucky. Eric Stone Street was Mm -hmm. already a friend and he had hit the town running. He had been there for a few months. He gave me a bunch of people to call. Sure. Who are these people? Like casting Uh, agents? What are they? Commercial agents. 
Okay. Yeah. Um, so I called like four of them and he was like, just tell all of them that the other people that they compete with want you. Because in LA, you could have a commercial agent and yep. what was known as a theatrical agent. Oh. So the commercial people just got you commercials and you could have an entirely separate agency that just got you TV and film work. And it was right. much easier to get a commercial agent. Um, and he helped me and I used his advice and was like, these people are interested <laughs> in me and totally lying. No one was interested in me. And this <laughs> relatively large agency at the time signed me. So I think within four months, I booked a national commercial. Um, okay, Jimmy, that's only four months in LA. I don't think people realize. How long do you normally have to be in LA to book a national commercial yeah, generally? I was going to say, do you, do you now, feel like- I have no clue. But back then, what was it, a year, a year and Probably a half? Probably a year, year and a half. And when you say a national commercial, we're talking big names like Anheuser-Busch, or we're Staples. talking like- oh, Staples, yes. nice. nice. A company that no one under the age of 40 knows who we're talking about. Wow. Okay. So that was your first big hit. That was my first big hit. And after that, I just started booking commercials. Like that was my bread and butter. Also at the time, commercials were not flooded with celebrities. Right. Oh, good point, Jimmy. Okay. Um, So that was, you know, that's called stunt casting or was, and it was very rare. Like a TV star would never deign to yeah. go do a commercial back then. I remember there was a time oh, where wow. it was just seen as beneath them. Absolutely. It was like film actors don't do TV. That's true. TV actors don't do commercials. That is yeah. true. Commercial actors don't do soap operas. Um, <laughs> so you you had your first big commercial success with Staples, and then you had even a bigger one. And that's where people would stop you and say, hey, we'd be out at a bar and people would say, you look familiar. And I'd be like, what? Yeah. What what commercial was that? We know what commercial Um, that is. One, it was a commercial that never, ever aired. It was for a director's reel. Yeah. So, James, you are familiar with this. A director back then would get together with a production company and they would shoot a bunch of what's known as spec spots. Yep. So, never contracted by the company. They would just pick a few products that they liked. And say, hey, here's an idea I have for this. And the production company would money into them in the hopes that eventually that director would get hired and the production yep. company would come along with him. So yeah. it was it was a Nutrigrain commercial. That's and it was so funny. I feel great. Yep. And it was produced, written, conceived by someone named Justin Reardon. Mm. Um, he won a Clio. Because he came up with a waza. Oh, oh. I got it. <laughs> he was also a Chicago guy. He was, but he had come up with that ad campaign, and he was looking to branch out into directing. What brand was that for? Nutrigrain. Uh, well, that was Budweiser. Oh. What's up? What's up? Budweiser. Was Budweiser. That's right. Yeah. I was like, I knew it was a beer. Yeah. I wanted yeah. to say Coors. Yeah. And we're talking twenty years ago. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. And so he just came up with this idea for this potential Nutrigrain spot, and it is wacky. It is over the top, which is totally my wheelhouse. Okay, so, so can I'm we a, find this on YouTube? It's on YouTube, right? We can do like yes, James Leary Nutrigrain. You can look up I Feel Great Nutrigrain. It's been viewed like probably 20 million times. We will put the link in yeah, our liner notes. Um, at the t- So when I say I was auditioning, Back then, I was auditioning 15 times a week, which mm-hmm. was incredible. And mm-hmm. 90% of the time, here's what I'd hear. Hey, that was really good. Could you bring it down? <laughs> just just bring it. Just <laughs> your eyes. They're really, could you stop? I'd be like, no, this is. Your eyes do get really big <laughs> These are my when eyes. you're excited. Like, I, I am. I'm under. I've underplayed this entire audition. What do you mean? Bring it down. <laughs> My eyes are almost closed. I'm like I, I, like I look like French Stewart. Like I don't know what's happening. Um, and that was the first time someone went. No, give me more. Oh, okay. Give me like what? More you're eyes. Doing? More eyes. More. Give me more. And that's one of the best things I've ever done. I, I love that spot. Yeah. It was so much fun. It was with um, 
a great comedian named Joe Bill and uh, Precious Chong. Hmm. Okay. Tommy Chong's a oh, stepdaughter. Oh, yes, yes. Okay, okay. She's, yeah. she's the one who I go up to and go, you want to have babies? And she's like, <laughs> yeah, a million of them. Uh, babies everywhere. Um, so that happened, and right at that same time is also when I got on the cult TV show. Now, for everyone listening, the actor strike is still happening. So we have to be very careful about how we say it because we can't talk about strike work. So you worked on a show and I'm, I'm, I can say this, Buffy. I cannot say anything more about it. We're going to say it right now. It's Buffy the Vampire Slayer. (laughs) (laughs) Right at that same time is when I got on Buffy. Okay, we need to hear about this because this is very hard. And again, for listeners who don't know anything about acting or Los Angeles, to get on a hit show is so difficult. And to have a reoccurring role, oh my gosh, like it is unbelievable. When I got to Los Angeles, it was one of the five of the five shows I wanted to work on. It was like number two, and it's the only one I got to work on. And I got it because I did a workshop with someone who was the associate casting director for the show. And Mm. so she had seen me do a workshop where I actually played Spike. Um, I did my British accent and she called me right. Like I didn't have to do a pre, like I went right to producers and having known the show, when I read the first script, I was like, I know how I'm doing this because I knew the show. I was a fan of the show. And I was like, wow, demons aren't demons. Demons are people. And I just went, I'm just going to be me. Oh, that's fantastic. So, so that was how you approached it. That's how I approached it. And I went, I'm going to try to hit. I had, it was five lines. The initial character didn't even have a name. It was just called the loose skinned demon. <laughs> and I went in and it was five lines and okay. it was just the producers. Okay. And I just went, you know what? I'm going to try to play every line for as many laughs as I can get. Wow, and you only had five to work with. That's pretty incredible. You know, when you're this you're, good. It's so true. It's so true. <laughs> um, it's so true. <laughs> uh, and because it was for producers, it was a room. I don't do well one-on-one. Like, yeah. if it's just a casting person and me, 80% of the time, I'm not getting the job. You put four people there, five people I know how to work that from my improv background. Like I know how to, you know how to feed off a crowd. Right. Right. And I went in, I read the lines. They laughed every time they laughed. It fed into the thing. I got the job and Mm. I, I sat for a head cast. I sat for like all kinds of crazy makeup stuff, full makeup, by the way. Like how long does that take? If anybody has ever seen the episode, they know you are really like, very it much. Is, they're it not going to see full, you on the street and know that no, you're. Clean. No, how long did no makeup one. take? So it is. Yeah. It's so it's like the, what they call the cowl, which comes from here back. Yep. Then an entire face piece. So every inch of it is glued to my face, yep. and then they put the ears on, and then I had these gigantic gloves. Um, uh-huh. The how main makeup t- took two and a half hours. But you had to have been loving it. You oh, had I was to been loving like, every I can't believe this. Kidding you me? Had to so, be, you had you're to a be. sci-fi fan. You oh, watch the you're show. You're a fan of the I'm show. A fan of the show. It's a comedy role. Yeah. And here you are getting prosthetics for the first yeah. time in your career. Right. And the dude putting on my prosthetics had worked with Robin Williams, but he was a great guy. And I'm just listening to him tell stories. Right. Wow. Of like, one, how amazing Robin Williams was. He worked on Bicentennial Man. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Which is a movie that Robin Williams gets a ton of makeup. And he was like, Robin would come in, be there before everyone at 4.30 in the morning, get his whole makeup, wrap. So all his coverage was done. He would wrap, spend 45 minutes getting his makeup off, and then go back to do the off-camera work for all the other actors. Wow. Oh, he was a true professional. Like that was So like when you're an actor, you have your your on camera uh-huh. and someone is off camera giving you your lines. Right. And sometimes that can be the other actor and sometimes it's a script supervisor. Right. Um for so him for it was someone Robin to Williams. Do wow. his entire day and then come back to do all his lines that are off camera just yeah. so the other actor looks good. I was like that's 
That's a pro. That's who I want to be. Um, anyway, sorry, I got off on a tangent. Um, no. <laughs> so, no, I, I did that day. I did that day, and I ended up striking up a, a friendship with James Marsters. And at the end of the day, Marsters is like, and I'm still in makeup. He's like, hey, man, see you again. I was like, what are you talking about? He's like, uh, you're funny. You'll be back. Like, oh, what? nice. No, I'm not. What do you get out of here? I'm all right. Okay. You say that to everybody. You're a good dude. I get it. All right. I'm right, leaving. right. Yeah. Thanks for the six, props. Six weeks later, I get a phone call from my agent. They say, Buffy wants you back. Nice. Oh. Wait, what? <laughs> and this time it was shooting for an entire week with the majority of the rest of the cast. And then you, they just you... kept like bringing me back. So in that first season, I think I did six episodes and in the next season I did two. So I only did eight episodes of the original show. So you do your eight episodes and we're now let's cut to where we are. How many years later are we from your last episode you did with Buffy? Was that 20 years, years ago? ago? Okay. No, so yeah. 20 the last years episode ago. of Buffy was in 2003. I think my last episode, I think I shot in 2003. Okay. Now, anyone who knows anything about sci-fi knows that there's all these conventions yeah. where where people from different shows will come and sign autographs. You rode that gravy train for oh, many, many years. Comic cons, all those. Yes, right? you did all those. Um, my very so yes, I started doing cons. Um, I had been introduced to that through James Marsters, mm -hmm. who was doing them, and I was like, yeah, that that be that sounds great. Yeah. Um, my very first Comic-Con ever was, I believe it was 2002, San Diego Comic-Con. <gasps> That's like one. the biggest one. The big kahuna. I have often said it's like losing your virginity to a porn star. <laughs> <laughs> what does that help? What? <laughs> no. So that was my first Comic-Con ever. Were yeah. you and like dying? I had done. I had done the first season. I had not done any episodes for the second season. So this was like, I think, July between the two seasons. And yeah. go down to San Diego, and it's a totally different beast. And, I, like, you get a table, and that's it. They don't pay for anything. It's whatever. I printed up a bunch of photos. I had a photo of James Marsters and I in character standing together. Yeah, And he was kind enough. He signed 500 photos. For wow. you, for your table, for me, for my oh, table, wow. so that I could then take them and sell them for like twice as much as my other photos, <laughs> <laughs> because he had signed them. Because he had signed them. He's a so really he nice was, guy. He's an amazing man. Wow. Um, he's very kind, very generous, incredibly talented. Um, yeah. So. Okay, uh, so you go him. to your first Comic-Con. Yes, yeah, so I go to my first Comic-Con. Wait, I have is to ask you. Is it just your Suddenly, table? Are there other characters with you? surrounded by people I grew up watching. Like, <gasps> oh. there's Battlestar Galactica people. There's Buck Rogers nice. people. There's Beastmaster people. There's people from Flash Gordon. Like, Sam Jones is, like, half, like, a foot away from me. I'm like, that's, that's freaking Flash Gordon. That's I'm awesome. going to go say hi. Um, so... Yes, I am freaking out the entire time. I'm nerding out. It's like Lou Ferrigno. Oh, um, my my that's awesome. Gen X young child head is exploding. Uh -huh. <laughs> and then people are coming to get an autograph. Was there ever a moment where you thought, I'm not going to sell these photos? Like, yeah. The, I, the second I sat down, I was like, we just wasted a ton of money. This is stupid. <laughs> I don't know what we just did. I went and got it a banner printed at like that print place right oh, at yeah, Lancashire Island. Yes, yes, no, yes. Right across the street from the Odyssey video, next to the H Salt Fish and Chips, was a printing place. Yeah, that's where we had our that's where we had our wedding uh, invitations. We had our wedding yeah. invitations uh -huh. produced there. Yeah, 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 yeah. What did the banner say? What did the banner say? I think it just said it had a one horrible picture of me that I'd taken on set, and then my headshot, and it said, I think it said Clem, the loose skin demon from Buffy the Vampire Slayer, <laughs> James C. Leary, <laughs> that, and Very in creative. horrible font, like everything was terrible. I think Buffy Very was in creative. red. <laughs> right and it cost like 60 bucks i was like oh that's shit. a lot of money back then oh yeah. yeah and i put the thing up behind me and i sit down and i take out like 
four of my headshots because that's all I had and uh-huh. one photo of me on set and then the pictures with James. Uh-huh. And I think at one point I actually took the picture with James, took tape and put it up on my banner. Uh, <laughs> of course. You got to show people what they're getting when they right. step up. And then I think I was there for maybe, I don't know, 20 minutes and people started to come up. That's and awesome. the first time someone was like, yeah, I'll take your picture. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> wait a second. You know who I am, right? You're going to give me money. Wait, are you sure? Like, Mark Singer's right there. Beastmaster, (laughs) right there. Yeah. You know, because I'll pay money for him. (laughs) And they're like, no, we like we loved you on the show. And that just started like the whole day. And then for the next decade, I did nonstop. I think one year I did 14 conventions. Wow. One year you did 14 conventions. Yeah, it was like the first, it was right after San Diego. It was right when the show was really, really hot Mm -hmm. and it was just ending. And I was working with the same person who repped James Marsters and they sold us as a pair. Um, So I did 14 conventions in 12 months. Wow. That's amazing. So, how is that like? So, they just, it has the producers of the show have nothing to do with you showing up there. No, they didn't used to. I think now they do. I think they do now too. Especially uh, now they, they absolutely. I was just at a that. con. Yeah, I was just in New York City, and Ewan McGregor was there. Right. You wouldn't have caught Ewan McGregor dead mm. yeah. <laughs> at a convention in 2002. He was a serious You're right. actor You're at one right. point. He but still now is. He's sold out. You, he still is. Now all the agencies are involved. Back then, it was like you had your TV yeah. agent, and they were like, "Oh, you're going to do cons." Your career's over, right? Like okay. that's what the. Oh, I mean, okay. if you just, want to be there with the washed ups. Yeah, they just right. thought you were slumming, uh, right? Yeah. Okay. And I was like, right. "Do you know how much money I make?" <laughs> right. Okay, so I'm pretty to- sure you don't, because if you did, you'd want a piece of it. I know, right? Wouldn't that <laughs> be right. which is now what know. what happens? Yeah, anyway, sorry. All the agencies are no, inside baseball. That's okay. No, no, no. It's it's true. It's, you're absolutely right. Um, agents had no idea how much money you were getting. I mean, just figure it out. It's like well, you're, you're selling- talking about. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, if you're selling a photo, I'm guessing at twenty twenty five dollars a photo, and you have five hundred. Okay, that's the, that's yeah, just five hundred is a small number because you're there all weekend. Do, do you want to know what they go for now? What? Hundred twenty. Hundred twenty. Not, not me. Not me. I don't charge that. Right. I was just at New York City Comic Con, and some of the top tier celebrities were charging a hundred and twenty dollars for a photograph. Wow. And if you wanted to get a photo op with them, because that's another way. How that much? Was, yeah. That was. 270 for Chris Evans. Holy cow. Oh, wow. that's Chris Evans, though. People, I would pay 270. Yeah, so I would would I. pay 270. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you pay 270 to get a picture uh-huh, with Captain I'm, America? Hell yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah. his photo app sold out. So there were no more, like, he didn't have enough time to, like, I believe stand it. there all day. So they sold out. I believe right. it. People were coming up to other people in line going, hey, I know you have a photo op. I will pay you the price of the photo op if oh. you will stand on one side and I can just sneak in and stand on the other side. And when they give you the digital picture, just cut me out. Are you oh, serious? You send me the digital photo that you can pay 12 bucks extra for right. and we'll cut each other out just because I can't get one. So we're cut to 20 years. You've been doing cons here and there. Okay. Like yep. you did move from Los Angeles. Yes. To so back, back to Texas. Back to Texas. Yeah, so now to, yeah. Los Angeles to Austin, Texas. Yes. So mm-hmm. now and, you're currently in Austin and yep. you, you've done a little bit of stage work, but you pretty much are no longer um, auditioning right. am, or anything. I'm like that. no longer in the biz. I don't even, even though I support, um, I let my SAG membership lapse. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't I don't do anything anymore. Okay, that's not true though. That is not true. That is not okay. true. So, so in, let's get into this. So in 2022, you get a phone call. I, I got an I, I believe it was an email and then a phone call. I got a phone call from Chris Golden 
uh, mm-hmm. who is one of the co-writers of Slayers, a Buffyverse story, uh, available on Audible. It's also important to know for everybody listening, we have so many friends in the industry that this actual Audible podcast and their contract with everybody on the show is not covered under the SAG contract. It- Correct. Um, we got, there are no scabs uh, on Skip no, Town. No, there All are Stars. no scabs. Um, everything SAG has been behind every bit of publicity we've done. Um, they have given us a waiver. It was also not considered struck work uh, because Audible is not one of the companies that is being struck. So uh, we are all safe there. Chris never did anything for the show, but Chris was one of the first writers because chris is a writer um who did some of the first serialized novels oh like a book writer he's a book writer yes so he is a he is a full-fledged book writer he knows stephen king (gasps) wow whoa like well Mm. oh nice yeah so chris he knows neil gaiman Wow. Oh, oh yeah. my gosh. So he's like okay. an Chris author's is, author. Chris is Chris is up there with like the big wigs. Like he's okay. up there with these people. He does mostly ho- he he started doing most like he started out doing horror. Um that's how he kind of got into the Buffy world, but at the time I think 20th Century Fox approached him to do a spin-off novel and he threw himself into it. He did what they used to call Watcher's Guides. Oh, yeah. Okay. So he did, I think, like four of those. And specifically, he did like the 20th anniversary Watcher's Guide specifically. Uh, And And Watcher's Guides, just explain real quick. Watcher's uh, Guides are basically, they help you with the lore of the show. They help you with uh, characters or maybe relationships that had happened way back in the past. For Buffy. Maybe things that had never been shown before. For other shows, they do it too. Supernatural has one, a bunch of Game of Thrones, all that. Okay, okay. Um, It's kind of like a cheat book for video games when they had those. Wait, is it a prequel or is it just a cheat sheet? Well, no. So Chris did different things. So when he started, he did spinoff novels. So he would... You know, they would pitch him an idea and he'd be like, great. All right. And then oh, he would write okay. a spinoff. Like novel. Star Wars does a bunch of that now. Right. And then the watchers guides were like very specific. Here's the show in a nutshell. Oh, right. OK. So it's like cliff notes. Like so it helps you okay, if they have yeah. multiple characters, yeah. multiple story arcs. It. it helps you track right. everybody. He would and, interview and... actors. He would talk to the oh. writers. He would talk to producers. So Chris has been very much involved in this world for a very long time. Mm-hmm. And through doing conventions and stuff, he met Amber Benson and Mm. she played Tara on the show. Yes. Uh, Fan favorite character, Willow's girlfriend, one of the first openly gay characters on network television. Um, Really groundbreaking stuff. Um, And she is also a writer. She's a director. She's a producer. But she is also a writer. And they had actually worked on something together like 20 years ago. So when this Chris, I believe, was pitching Audible ideas, and they were talking to him and said, hey, we have a bunch of these projects. Which one would you be interested in? He was like, Buffy. He was like, yeah, I'll take that one. Uh, And then he went to Amber and trying to, without getting too into the weeds, reclaim the show. Got it. Okay. Just to give it back to the fans, because the show came under some fire um, over the last few years, and mm-hmm. some of the actresses mostly uh, came out and said that they worked under some abusive circumstances. Mm-hmm. Yes. We all um, know that, like people who are who are right. even remotely in entertainment or, or follow entertainment, right. and that is like widely publicized. Right, and so given this opportunity, they both said, "Well, we like our the fan base for this show." I would liken it to Star Wars, to Star Trek. One of those few shows that has managed to keep a fan base over several generations at this point, Um, which is crazy to me. Like I'll sometimes meet 13, 14 year old girls or boys or anyone or however, um, who come up and is like, Hey, I love, I love this show. I'm like, how do you love the show? You weren't even born yet. <laughs> and they're like, no, it was my mom's favorite show. And then when I turned 13, she started showing it to me. And then I showed it to all my friends. And now we've rewatched it nine times. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's a show that keeps continuing to come down generations and means still means something to people. Um, right. And I think Chris and Amber really wanted to continue that because mm. 
there's there are still stories to tell and i think what slayers did really well was reclaim especially for certain actors and actresses reclaim their power um and give something new in a way that we can't do on film you know right, james right. i i sat with james two weekends ago and he's like i initially told the producers you got about seven years like I'll be a vampire for about seven years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, that was when he was in his mid thirties. Uh-huh. Oh, he's sixty one. Um, right. So, but audio wise, doesn't matter. It doesn't. Right. So let's right. talk a little bit about this project. So you get a call from Chris, and he says, right. "I have an idea for an audible, an original, so yep. the original story idea in the Buffy verse world, right. and it's going to be." You finish that sentence, Jimmy. Um, it's going to be about some new Slayers. Like, we're going to continue the story 10 years after the original show ended. Right. But we're going to do a multiverse. Ooh. So that we can play with characters who are dead, who don't exist anymore. We can really just, it's a jumping off point for us. Um, and I was like, great. That sounds awesome. I'll be in one or two. And he's like, eh, okay. And like, <laughs> well, I mean, not to give, not to tip yeah. it off too much. Uh, within uh, five minutes of the first oh, episode, yeah. we can uh, prominently hear our buddy's voice. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> throughout. So like, so, like eight months later, I get another email, and I talked. I like, I talk, and they're like, "No, you're a big part of this." I'm like, <laughs> yeah, whatever. Yeah. Um, and then it it goes to recording. And I'm like, wait, wait, you're going to wait. I'm you're flying me to Los Angeles to wait. We're doing this. How? Um, (laughs) So I get the scripts. There's nine of them. So it's I think it's roughly about eight hours. It is. It's eight hours. Um, Yep. And I get the scripts and I just start reading them. And I'm no longer an ancillary character. No, you're I am not. now one of the leads. I'm a Scooby gang. I'm part of the crew. You are. And I couldn't be, because I have known Chris and Amber for 20 plus years, and we have done conventions together. We have hung out together. Right. We have joked together. We have done everything together. They knew how to write for the character. And they yeah. gave me so much amazing stuff to do. And it, they went, hey, this is Spike's best buddy. And they just ran with it. And yeah. I was so lucky to just, like, I still, I cannot. Uh, oh, Jimmy. <laughs> I, I know. Think it's great. It is amazing. I can't believe that I'm yeah. still here. Aww. And I'm so very thankful. So you go out there. Did you have any clue, Jimmy, the magnitude of this project? Because you no, just I had came no back. Idea. You just I thought you were going to be in a little recording studio, didn't you? I did a little bit. Uh, so my paycheck was going to be. Uh, right, right. I was, was going like, to say, uh, there was what? an offer on the table, yeah. Wait, what? Okay. Yeah. Wait, you're giving, wait, are you sure you, this isn't meant for the other James? You're sure right. this email is not meant, this contract is not for the other guy? Yeah. It's yeah. not? Yes, I will. Um, so no, we go out to Los Angeles uh, of March this last year. We recorded in the same place where they record Bob's Burgers. Yeah, nice. just down from the Ralphs we were talking about uh-huh. <laughs> four hours ago. <laughs> we show up, and the way they've set it up is that we are not. So normally, when you do voiceover, say for something like this or a video game, you're in a booth. You're in a little te- kind of like this. You're in a teeny tiny thing, and it's yep. just you. You're just reading with, say, the casting director or the director or whoever. It's just you reading lines, which is great. It's how it normally works. For this, they got everyone together at one time. Yeah, if you listen to the Audible, it feels, Jimmy, like I wanted to ask you, were you all in a room together? Yes. Because it you as, as the listener, you feel like you are in the room with everybody. So this totally makes sense. Well, that's also due to a very proprietary technology um, that literally puts you in the middle. If you listen on surround sound or you have headphones that have surround yep. sound, yeah. yep. the action happens around you. And that's proprietary 
technology for very specifically this Audible series. Yeah, and it's pretty badass, I must say, because when I first started listening to it, I was in the garage and it was just sort of like a wall mount uh, speaker that's attached to, you know, that I could, a Bluetooth speaker. When I listened to the second episode in my headphones, dramatically different experience. Yeah, no, it's pretty crazy. So the people at Wayland Productions, uh, Casey Wayland is the third co-director. So mm-hmm. Amber, Chris, and Casey directed the whole thing. Um, and so you're all in a room together. Yeah, we're all in this giant studio. Everyone's got their little music stand, you know, like yep. all, like in high school with their yeah. script yeah. and a microphone. And you got headphones and ev- everyone's isolated. Although we're not like everyone has their own mic and own headphones, but we're all just in a circle. Oh, you guys were all in there. Like we are the world. Yes, totally. <laughs> and so we're all able to play off each other. And, and you're moving your arms and you're every, doing all. Oh, these, everyone's yeah. going, doing, especially when you have to do a fight scene. You're like, yeah. Ah, <laughs> uh, which is one so much fun because you can just go nuts. Like everyone's egos are just erased because you're not on camera. Oh right. yeah. And you understand that what you have to give is all through your, through your voice. Right. And the more you can put into that, the better it's going to be. And people just went crazy. Yeah. And I got to work with people I never worked with. Mm-hmm. So I got to work with the incomparable Anthony Stewart head and they, they piped him in from England Wow. Okay. Wow. Um, so uh, go, but give us a list real quick, like uh, rattle off the list of people who are included in the project. Uh, Charisma Carpenter, um, who played Cordelia. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, she still plays Cordelia, but now in an alternate universe, she is the Slayer. Okay. Um, Anthony Stewart Head, who played Giles. James Marsters, who is Spike. Emma Caulfield Ford, who was um, uh, Anya or Anyanka. She played mm-hmm. a person and a demon. Um, we also have, uh, gosh, who else? Uh, Danny Strong, uh, myself. And then the newcomer is uh, uh, Leia Delion. I'm going to say it wrong. Leia Delion Hayes. Um, mm-hmm. And she is, she's the new addition. She's 20 she's years old. She's the rookie slayer. She's right? the rookie slayer. She's the brand new rookie slayer. Yeah. Um, and she is friggin' awesome. Yeah. Wow. So I, For I such a young girl to yes, be a young actor. 20. She is on the TV show The Equalizer. Okay. She plays right. Queen Latifah's daughter. Alright. Um, she is also a BAFTA award-winning voiceover actor for the latest God of War video game. Holy cow. So wow. the week we're in LA, we're like, oh, who's this new kid going to be? <laughs> James right, and I right. are in the studio the first day. We're like, all you old right. crusty yeah. bastards yeah, in there. Look at us, gray hair, like whatever. <laughs> in walks this 20-year-old kid. We're like, all right, whatever. Her first line. She delivers her first line, and both of I watched him like we're right next to each other, and I, both of us go, "Huh? <laughs> <laughs> oh crap! Okay, the kids uh, got it. We got to up whoa, our game where's here." Where's my highlighter? Uh, <laughs> all right, because she she just killed it so hard, and she Agreed. brought everyone else. It's a game great performance. Up. She is fantastic. She's also a delight of a human being. That's great. Ah, that is fan. That's so nice to hear. So you had a very good week with. It was like a reunion. A, it, it was. was a reunion. It was a total reunion. And again, some people that I I've known over the years, but never worked with, and getting to work with some of these people was just. It was so much fun. It was like every day wasn't work. It was. I'm going to go have fun today. Right. Yes. So okay, you tell us the name of the show. Sure. Wh- where you can find it, all of that. So sure. tell us the name of this. It is called show. Slayers, a Buffyverse mm-hmm. story, and it is available on Audible exclusively on Audible, Audible.com. And for those of you who aren't aware, it's it is a podcast. It is. It's so. Ugh. It's a. It, it's yes, a, it's a it's, podcast. It it's is a, an immersive. Uh, experiential story, a yes. way of telling the story through an audio uh, vehicle. Medium, yes, medium. audio. Yeah. Thank you, medium. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so it is. It is strictly audio, but it is 
there's so, it's not just someone reading in a book. It is. Oh no 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 no! It yeah. is not that. No, it's not yeah. an audio book because an audio book is a is a narrator reading a book. No, this is an interactive uh, experience. So when you're when you're listening to it, you feel like you're sitting in the middle of the action. Yeah. So if right. you're driving in your car, you literally don't want the story to stop. You don't want to get to your destination because you're like, wait, wait, they're yeah. they're in a bar fight right now. I got to hear this out. And and there's. There's nine episodes, I think, for like eight hours. Um, you know, we're still beating Stephen King, I think. Oh, nice. oh, nice. Well, I've listened to similar shows or endeavors on other from other studios on other platforms. And uh, I must say, I mean, just in terms of quality and the oh, oomph that you guys yes. have put into this thing. No, it's, Audible uh, put It's a every- superior product. Yeah, it is Audible product. really, like, I can't. I can't stress enough how amazing Audible was bringing us into New York City. Like Audible has put everything into this. Um, yeah. And when I say everything, I mean everything. And Waylon Productions really killed it with the 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 production. Um, oh, the it's sound a effects. The all uh, also all the other actors, like not just the main characters, but yeah, everyone. Um, and uh, a little bit of information. The uh, the monkey, yeah, the little monkey character. Mm-hmm. That's one of the co-directors. Oh no way! Really? That's Casey. He did. Oh, the monkey. that's fantastic. Yeah. Okay, okay. I, I have to tell you, listening to it, I did want to say everyone's voice is beautiful and so distinct on each word. Even like when when the slayers are talking and and you could feel the venom in their voice. I mean, just being you're in it. You're oh, in Juliet it as a Landau. listener. I forgot to mention Juliet Landau before. I can't believe I forgot her. She's friggin' Meryl Streep. Yeah. Like she is so unbelievably good in this. It's like every word she utters, it's like Yes. Yeah. Oh my God. Perfection. I, I was listening yeah. and, I, and I was saying, okay, real quick, did you guys have to take any takes? Was there like where you would stop and say, oh, yeah. I need to redo that? Okay. Uh, absolutely. Of course. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's just like anything else you do. Like sometimes you flub a line or sometimes they want a different, like the directors would be like, that was great. Give me one like this or give me one like that or oh, do this. Right. Okay. okay. But also so you're still actors, being directed. Correct. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. Chris, Amber and KC directed the whole thing so they would be like that was great or give us a slight like hit like just you know a little tweak here there but also as actors we all had the freedom to be like you know what i didn't like that can i do one more oh okay okay and they were like great. studios Terab- paid for let's do it terabytes don't cost money um <laughs> right really it's, no, it's not like film anymore it's like yeah, yeah. do whatever you want Especially audio, it just doesn't take up nearly as much space as video. So, um, but uh, okay, so this endeavor was, you know, I mean, obviously you hadn't worked in this medium before. One thing that we left out uh, in your career path when you said you moved back to Texas was you've also done an incredible amount of writing for video games. You've also done, so just uh, to sort of round out your story, in a nutshell, tell me how it's been to jump from acting to this to that over the years. I don't know if I have undiagnosed ADHD. I'm not sure. Um, uh-huh. I've never been one to sit still, and I always right. want what's next. So I, I, while in Los Angeles, I was a writer the entire time as well. Sure. I worked with two amazing writing partners. We got super close to selling like three different scripts uh, back when comedies still sold to anyone other than Netflix. Right. Um, so I had been writing the entire time and I started writing in high school. Um, like I said, Stephen King's my favorite writer, even though yeah. I hate horror movies. Yeah. Oh yeah. We're going to talk about hate this. Them. We are okay. going to talk about yeah. this. Hate them. L- Stephen King, my favorite writer. Um, so so I'd sci-fi, always... sci-fi, yes. Horror, no. Horror, no. Don't do okay. horror okay. movies. Um, okay. uh, so I came to back to texas and at the time austin was a big hub for video games and mm. i loved video games sure i was playing grand theft auto vice city you know right. <laughs> back before half these kids were even an idea uh so yeah i loved video games and i especially loved that video games at that time when i was playing them were mm. like playable movies yeah and i was like this is kind of great this is awesome um and i thought well 
that's maybe someplace my skill set could fit. And I had a friend who worked at a company here and I got a paid internship and just started working from the ground up. And I started, I moved into like the creative department and then what's now known as a narrative designer. Yeah. Fancy video game word for writer. Um, Uh It is. Ended up working on some really cool games. Like the, the big one that's coming out now, I think it's November 16th is Assassin's Creed Nexus VR. Uh, And I, I wrote, I was part of the writing team for that. So. That's incredible. Great franchise, obviously. Dude, that was awesome. Uh, Really quick, I want to ask you, did Audible plan on dropping this before Halloween on purpose? Maybe. I would think it was dropped on October 12th. So we should definitely mention that. It's already out on Audible. You can download every single episode, right? Yeah, you can download them all at once. You can binge it. Like I said, it's about eight hours. Uh, It's a ton of fun it's it's got a lot of heart it's also silly but it's action-packed it's like a classic radio program i think the perfect place for this show is halloween night as you're handing out candy and you have it in the background streaming in the background yes Yes. i'm like do that's what we're gonna do okay so jimmy i know you're not a horror film fan which is crazy so we gave we gave you homework which you rejected in your typical jimmy fashion oh yeah he totally did you mean you mean incredibly witty and humorous fashion and then i did the homework all right tell us your favorite five halloween movies top five halloween movies okay i'm gonna go jimmy leary jimmy leary uh i'm gonna like i don't know where this fits but the thing the thing john carpenter's the thing is one, a rare horror movie that I love. Ah. I have my stepdad. It's one of the only good things my stepdad ever did. He showed me that movie <laughs> oh my in God. like 1983. How old were you? Like seven? I was 10. We're Gen Xers. Our parents didn't care. No. It's Here's true. a cigarette. Here's a uh-huh. beer. Stand on the hump in the back seat and don't open your mouth. Yeah. No, sleep in the window yeah. of the back yeah. seat on long uh-huh. car drives. Seatbelts, yeah. what are those? Um, uh-huh. Those are things we cut out of the car. So at um, 10 years old, he turns on John Carpenter's a thing so for you. So at 10 you. years old, and I'm not allowed to watch R-rated movies, but somehow he lets me watch this film because he likes it. Oh, okay. Okay. And I'm like, this is amazing. Yeah. Um, That's a good so, one. So the thing, um, Get Out by Jordan oh, Peele. That's a good one. Get is, out. I have not seen Get oh, Out. Believe it or it's not, so it's so good. I know it, you've seen it. So here's the thing with me: I don't like schlock. Although the thing is total schlock, but I don't like. I'm not a Saw fan. I don't like Hostel. I don't like Friday the Thirteenth. Hostel was like one of my favorite yeah. movies. Yeah. I don't like any of the stabby stabby. What gets me is like psychological stuff so right. uh, get out army of darkness which, i've never seen that what is it it's a movie is so are you familiar with evil dead yeah it's a spinoff yes. of one yes. of the evil dead it's probably. the third installment of the evil dead films it's oh, bruce okay. campbell sam raimi before he's sam raimi oh okay because i was gonna say like do you must you must like sam raimi because like drag me to hell is one Love of the, sam raimi so drag me to hell i think is the best horror film yes uh, I like lo- so Army of Darkness is Bruce Campbell epitomizing what it is to be Bruce Campbell. Okay. Right. Um, and that movie is an action horror comedy. Yeah. And I'll do that all day long. It's kind of okay. like uh, what's that movie Woody Harrelson was in Zombie oh, Land or something like yes. Zombie Land. I love it's Zombie a, it's, Land. It's similar. Okay. Yep. It's same tone. Same tone. All right. So what's number? Then we have what's number two? Uh, Jaws. Of course. Jaws. That's not really horror. It's but totally horror because oh, it could actually totally happen. Horror. But that's what makes Jaws so amazing is right. because the stupid shark didn't work, you never see the dumb shark. Uh, no, right. That's true. <laughs> All right. And then what was number one? They hide the uh, shark from you the entire time. They did. Number one is The Exorcist. That is oh, the oh, scariest yeah. movie I've ever seen. I didn't see it until I was a freshman in college. I watched it with my two best friends. In a dorm room, so a 12 by 14 foot dorm room, we watched it on VHS, and Uh we were on a couch that was maybe this big. 
And were you all like, ha, ha, ha. Oh, we were at the beginning. We were like, ha, 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 20 yeah. minutes in, we're like. <laughs> yeah. I had a similar experience with a bunch of buddies. We were watching Pet Cemetery, And when the little kid comes out on Pet Cemetery, it's oh, like, oh, no, hell no. We're no. Turn it off. No, my, yeah. okay. The movie that seriously, I've been with him for 25 years. No. I've never seen him. He got up and he said, what just happened? What am I watching? Uh-huh. The Conjuring. The Conjuring. I let out a little pee. No, Why? I'm not going to watch that. <laughs> oh, it's, it's Jimmy? It's The Exorcist Jimmy? on steroids, bro. Ew. It, it is so <laughs> nuts. Jimmy, it's so scary. He literally got up off the I'm couch. Like, I got to go change goes, my shorts. What just happened here? right it's now? Like, <laughs> like, is, and the kids were like, like their eyes were as big as saucers, but they loved it. Oh, yeah. my God. The kids. Here's the thing. terrible so, parents. I know. We no, literally, kids. the kids watched oh, The Conjuring. <laughs> <laughs> I know. We took Jonathan to go see King Kong when he was like seven. Yeah. <laughs> King Kong literally ripped something's head off. Yeah, I, yeah. It was. It was. It wasn't like the '70s King Kong. Like Peter no. Jackson's King Kong is pretty Real violent. Brutal. And yeah. again, my mother used to take me to the mall. Yeah. I was eight, nine, and she was wanted to go shopping. She would go to like Marshalls and Filene's Basement yeah. uh-huh. and TJ Maxx and all the other places in the mall. Yeah. And she wanted to shop unencumbered, and she'd be like, "Here's five dollars. Go see Porky's." <laughs> I was like, uh, Porky's. Go see Porky's. Porky's. I went and saw Porky's. Beastmaster. Oh my God, Jimmy, a and five. Before, I was maybe, so Beastmaster, I think I was nine. Oh. By myself. I know, that's terrible parenting. Uh-huh. With, I'm talking to Diane. I know. With Junior Mints, popcorn, and a Coke. Uh-huh. <laughs> that movie was PG and has boobies. <laughs> I would just look at whatever was playing and be like, that's probably going to have boobies. That's what I would like to see. Thank you, sir. Um, and if it was rated R, she would buy the ticket, hand it to me, and then leave. Okay, well, we appreciate you submitting your homework after all, after a little oh, bit of kicking and screaming. <laughs> it's been an amazing episode. We are so happy you joined us today. I think it's a huge treat for all the people that listen to the show. Oh, this is going to be the best episode. This is such a good episode, and it's a bonus Halloween. We have Halloween with Clem. We have Halloween with Clem. Oh Who else God, can say that? You are both so good at this. <laughs> Lord, no. Um, I just want to say, uh, you both have been two of my favorite people since we first met 20 some odd years ago. Thank you so much for having me on your show. This has been a delight just because I love you guys and I love hanging out with you. And this has been so much fun. So thank you. The next one we do in person. Oh, for sure. Yes. You better. Can we, okay. I want to buy the Clem costume. Can I wonder, is there a Clem costume? One, I think the makeup company is out of business. Uh, two, it was $1,800 <laughs> oh, worth of material. Wow. Okay, Ooh, so Lord. I guess in person will just be us. Yeah, yeah. it'll just just, you won't, you won't, uh, just, put a bunch of, just put a bunch of stuff on your face. You'll be fine. Yeah, or just buy like a Patrick from SpongeBob costume and, and then, then, you know, melt it. mod it out. Yeah, yeah. melt okay. it. <laughs> I want him in costume, not me. I wanted to buy a costume for him when we get Denise, together. that oh. costs money. I know. Okay, fine. All right, whatever. It'll just be the three of us. It'll be the three of us. It'll be okay. the three of us. Oh, uh, Jimmy, thank you again. Oh, my God. Thank you guys so much. Again, I love you both. The podcast is incredible. Thank you for having me on. We love you, too. Congrats on your continued success. We appreciate every minute we spent with you today. Take them out. Empty nest, full tank. See you, guys. Thanks, Jimmy. Check the mic and make sure it sound right, boys.